0: always right radio on am 1420 the answer is your host bob france
3: and a good morning to you thanks for joining us as we begin at nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this wednesday it's the eighth morning of the sixth month of the year of our lord 2022 i really appreciate you being with us There's a lot of very important things to talk about, and I'm going to have a hard time at the beginning deciding which way to go. I literally could do a three-way coin flip. If a coin had three sides, I would be doing it right now uh, because I just don't know. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I kind of do. Let's narrow it down to two. The only two that matter. That's the reality. I'm going to lay it out for you. There, there's, there's three big stories. On the minds of Americans right now, and only two of them actually matter. The first one, your pocketbook, your wallet, your grocery cart, your gas tank, your bills. The economy and the inflation and the gas crisis that has all been put in place by the Brandon administration literally from before day one of the administration, because all of these things were set in motion with campaign promises to destroy the fossil fuels industry. A campaign promise. So this has been on its way for some time now, and it is being carried out. So topic number one, your costs, my costs, our costs. Number two, second option that I would have to choose from, the continuing assault on the Second Amendment. The fact that the Judiciary Committee and other congressional bodies are going to be continuing to discuss gun control for the rest of this week to figure out where they can bring some weak-willed rhino Republicans along with the pathetic, soft-target-loving Democrats in order to take away people's rights to defend themselves against criminals and, if necessary, against an overreaching, oppressive government which is what the Second Amendment was written to give us the opportunity to do. So the left continues to push for guns, uh, gun control, and they s- trotted up a celebrity. The ever-lovable, all right, all right, all right, Matthew May. And yeah, he's, a, he's a very likable Hollywood guy, as Hollywood guys go. Very, very different than a lot of others. He's likable. He's relatable. He almost ran for governor in Texas, Red State, Texas, for crying out loud. Uh, he is, of course, a native of Uvalde, Texas, where the terrible school shooting happened. So they brought him up yesterday to talk about how we need gun control. There have been some tremendous reactions to that. So that's topic number two. And then topic number three, they're going prime time with the show tomorrow night. Prime time. The January 6th committee hearings are going to be on live primetime television covered with bated breath. By a hyperventilating, panting CNN and MSNBC, and Lord knows, it might even be on the three major networks. I don't know if they're going to preempt or bump their regular programming to put their blank show on display. but it is a blank show. And the word that comes the word that fills in for blank there is one that rhymes with, um, I don't know, hit. It's a blank show, and that's exactly what they want it to be, a made-for-television spectacle designed to do one thing and one thing only. Stop the slaughter that is coming in November in the midterm elections. That's it. That's all they care to do. They're going to put their show on live television. They've even hired a, a, an apparently legendary uh, producer, the former president of ABC News the former president of ABC News named James Goldston. He was the president of ABC News when ABC News quashed reporting of accusations against Jeffrey Epstein, the rapist from Epstein Island. They have hired him to produce the January 6th committee hearings to make it good TV. <laughs> I'm not making that up. They confirmed, Fox News confirmed and others That the committee investigating the January 6, 2021 riot at the Capitol has hired the former ABC News president to produce the hearings scheduled for this month, and in particular, the primetime televised ones. They want him to make it TV-friendly so that everybody can see how evil the MAGA Trump Republicans are and were on that day, and then maybe, just maybe, people will forget about $5 a gallon. Maybe, just maybe, people will forget about the 15,000-person caravan amassing and heading toward our southern border. Maybe people will forget about what their grocery cart looks like when you put $150 into it compared to what it was like a year and a half ago. Maybe people will simply forget about the rampant uh, uh, rise in violent crime in big cities all over this country. Maybe the people will forget about weak foreign policy that allowed Vladimir Putin to go into Ukraine creating chaos. Maybe if we watch uh, Liz Cheney, and Adam Kinzinger joining with Nancy Pelosi's crew, including uh, uh, well, j- just all of the typical left-wing punks that we have seen. If we watch them going after the January 6th uh, riot, uh, riot on live television, that they'll forget about all of the, the baby shortage formula, or baby f- shortage formula, that's well done, Bob. The baby formula shortage. You'll forget about all of those things, and then you'll vote Democrat to keep them in power. This is what is on its way. So what do I mean when I say I've got three choices here, but one of them doesn't count? Well, I think you figured it out. I'm not going to give them any more attention than they are already going to try to grab with this televised spectacle. It is a joke. It is is. I'll play uh, some clips from some people who are going to give you the reality of what's going on there. But we are going to talk about costs. We are going to talk about Second Amendment rights. If we, keep, if we don't have Second Amendment rights, we don't have First Amendment rights. That's right, because we need the Second to protect the First, and we are going to do those things. So we're going to get into all of it after, we, after I ask you to rise. Patriots, please stand and face your flag if you have one. If you do not, uh, go ahead and just imagine one, but put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in Biden's policies in taking away our Second Amendment rights, If you are a believer that a United States Marine at the age of 18 can carry an M-27, but then when he's home on leave, isn't allowed to have an AR-15. If you're a believer in any of these ridiculous assaults on our rights because of the actions of a nut in Texas, Well, then you don't believe in this flag anyway. You're exempted from this pledge. Go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us.
1: I pledge allegiance to the flag
0: of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
3: So which way do we go first? Do we go to the cost or do we go to our Second Amendment rights? I guess I'm going to go ahead and start with the cost because of what we heard yesterday, which was just so astounding. You know, I, I, I sometimes refer to um, leftists as, as being out of touch, being tone deaf. This takes tone deafness to an entirely new level. I really think tone deafness is an affliction that affects only Democrats. And sadly, it is incurable. They have no earthly idea nor nor any concern what average Americans in the middle class and in the lower middle class and in the impoverished class, what they are dealing with with these costs. That they can sit there in a congressional committee hearing, somebody like Michigan Democrat Debbie Stabenow, and brag... About her electric vehicle, have to say just and, and, and 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 by the way, as she bragged about her, brags about her electric vehicle, um, failing to report how much those electric vehicles cost by essentially telling us, get into an EV if you don't want to pay the gas prices. How much do those things cost, Debbie? I would have to
4: say, just on the issue of. Uh Uh, gas prices after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle. I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here uh, this last weekend and went by every single gas station. It didn't matter how high it was. And so I'm looking forward to the opportunity for us to move to vehicles that aren't going to be dependent on the um, whims of the oil companies and the uh, international markets.
3: Sometimes when we do radio, I really wish um, you had video like I do as I watch her you just hear her and the disgusting I'm looking for another adjective to describe her smile she was just so gleeful in her discussion of how she just drove past all of those gas stations didn't matter how high they were you know to whom it does matter how high those are you reprehensible repugnant democrat you everybody else because the average cost of an electric vehicle in the United States is more than $56,000. Americans who cannot afford to pay $5 a gallon for gasoline also cannot afford to pay five dollars or $600 a month for their car payment to get into an electric vehicle. That's number one. Number two, you drove in all the way from Michigan to D.C. How many times... Did you have to stop and for how many hours and wait for that thing to charge? And what do you want to tell a family that is taking a trip that's going to drive several hundred miles? That, by the way, factor this into your vacation time. Sitting inside a a gas station diner waiting for your car. If there is, by the way, an electric charging port at that particular gas station hours for your vehicle to revive itself as opposed to, you know, sticking the hose into the, into the tank, filling it up in two, three minutes time and moving on your way again. The tone deafness of these people is simply staggering. Let's move from Debbie Stabenow, Michigan Democrat, who's screaming, let them eat Tesla's isn't that kind of what this is? Isn't this the new let them eat cake? I think it kind of is. Let them eat Teslas or let them buy Teslas. Phrase it however you want. But they are so completely out of touch with what middle America is dealing with and what their problems are. They They just cannot help themselves. Let's move to the Treasury Secretary, former chair of the Federal Reserve. Janet Yellen, being grilled, as she should be, on the Biden policies that have led to Biden inflation. And make sure you say that word every time you refer to inflation, Biden inflation, because it is his inflation, his policies that brought us here. How do we know? Because we watched this country flourish with low prices, higher wages, better job numbers under the Trump administration, the four years of the Trump administration, than we ever saw under Obama. And now we're right back to even worse than Obama levels um, under Joe Biden. So it is Biden inflation. And Janet Yellen has said, you know, it isn't Joe's fault. He's already done everything he can do on gas prices and inflation.
4: Really? With respect to energy, the uh, administration has done everything that they can to bring down energy costs, for example, through um, an historic release um, of a million barrels a day from the strategic petroleum reserve. And um, energy prices, gas prices, while very high, have risen a lot. They would be higher without that.
3: doesn't she look and sound like somebody who ought to be on a front porch with a Siamese cat in her lap as she crochets or knits yet another afghan for a relative who doesn't want it? She should be in a rocking chair on a porch somewhere doing her little needlepoint or doing her little crocheting and and, and, and with her little Siamese purring. I mean, why is this woman in a decision-making role? Listen to her. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve is just that. It's a reserve, and it's used for what? It's used for wartime emergencies. It is built up so that in the event where our fuel is literally cut off, we have reserves to try to get us by for a period of time. Biden spending that now is not responsible it is not historic. It's historically stupid to release a million barrels a day. We're going to have to backfill that strategic petroleum reserve because of this. That's number one. And number two, it is not doing everything he can to bring down energy costs.
4: How can you make that statement? The energy, the uh, administration has done everything that they can to bring down energy costs, for example. Really?
3: Really? Did he order the, re- the uh, uh, rebuilding or the uh, 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 construction, restarting construction on the Keystone XL pipeline? That would be something he can do. Did he order uh, more uh, leases for natural gas and oil drilling and exploration on federal lands? No? In Anwar? In the Gulf of Mexico? No, he didn't do those things. Okay, those would be things he could do that would lower the cost of energy. Don't tell me he has done everything he can do when he has done nothing but release some of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which a wise man once said is akin to instead of having a job and earning a paycheck every week, just taking money out of your 401K and living off of it, never mind the fact that eventually it's going to be gone and when you need it, when you retire, you won't have one. You don't take money out of your 401k to pay your monthly bills. You get a job to pay your monthly bills. And you don't take gas and oil out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve instead of drilling for more. Telling us that he's done everything he can. Then why, Janet Yellen, you crotchety old thing, why... Is he now using the, the the Defense Production Act, which again is also something that is to be used in emergency situations not to maximize production of oil and energy, but to maximize the production of solar panels. Wait, what? How can that be possible? How is there an emergency right now that we don't have enough solar panels? And we've got to go ahead and, and lift tariffs on solar panels from China so that we have more solar panels here. Is that going to bring down the cost of gasoline, or am I missing something here? There must be something that I'm not understanding. is
5: announcing a two-year suspension on solar panel tariffs. We've heard a lot of criticism from Republicans uh, today about this move. Congressman Dan Crenshaw of Texas, for example, is criticizing the move, tweeting, I was really dreading my next trip to the gas station, but now that Joe Biden lifted tariffs on solar panels, I'm like, phew, problem solved. Will it address any crisis facing Americans every day, or is it a long-term measure?
4: Well, what I can tell you this, I have been really proud to lead the charge because
1: Nevada has the most solar jobs per capita than any other state in the
5: nation.
4: And so these are good-paying jobs. Of course, we want a green energy future, renewable future.
5: Well, that's wrong. First of all, solar jobs on average pay about $20,000 less than oil and gas jobs. Second, this administration's actions will probably boost China's of solar panels and hurt domestic producers of solar panels. And third, you didn't answer his question. No, having more solar panels does not reduce gas prices.
3: Dan Crenshaw laying into uh, Nevada, uh, the Nevada senator on this uh, issue, who is also part of the Homeland Security Committee, trying to defend and refusing to answer the question about how do solar panels help gas prices. But Janet Yellen said the president has done everything he can do president has done nothing that he could do because he doesn't want to solve this problem. Let's get it out there and face the reality. He wants you to suffer until you are just like Debbie Stabenow and saying, Okay, I'll buy an electric vehicle. I'll put myself in the hot. I'll take out what, what used to be the maximum... Uh, uh, um term for a, for a car loan. It used to be five years. Then it became six years. What's it going to be now? Eight, nine, ten years? We're going to let you take out a car loan for an EV for ten years. You'll be paying for this thing long after its electric battery is even usable. I'll be back.
0: you reason in the age of unreason. Always Right Radio with Bob France and the answer.
3: It's coming. It's uh, 13 days away. The station that first brought the Beatles to Cleveland. That would be WHK is having their 100th anniversary party, a celebration of the heritage of WHK Radio. 100 years, the oldest radio station in the state of Ohio, one of the 15 oldest in the country, to still be broadcasting at least 100 years since they flipped on the switch for the first time. Huge parties coming up, 13 days. It's June 21st. It's in North Olmstead. At Harry Buffalo, thank you to Tony George for stepping up. We needed a white knight to ride to our rescue after we were canceled by a downtown Cleveland Flats area uh, restaurant that we had originally booked through, who decided that you guys are too conservative for us, so we're canceling you. Which, of course, uh, just made me think Can to myself.
6: You dig it?
3: Because if you're not getting canceled, You're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. You're not constitutional enough. You're not patriotic enough if you're not being canceled by woke leftist businesses and organizations. So uh, we got canceled, which means that kind of gives us our creds, our bona fides, if you will. And uh, Tony George stepped up, like I said, like the white knight and said, bring that here. We want that party here, and that's where it shall be. Get your tickets right now. WHKradio.com, WHKradio.com. It's going to be a great event. VIP tickets are available. You want to hang out with me and Tom Kelly and a host of others. Uh, doors will open at 4.30 for you. For everyone else, it's 6 p.m. Music begins at 7. we got a Beatles cover band. Top Dog is going to be there. They'll be opened up for by Johnny Hiles and a cast of others, uh, who is our producer, by the way, who also a top-flight musician, so he's going to be opening uh, for Top Dog. We're have drinks and buffet dinners and just all kinds of great time. Get your tickets now at WHKradio.com. I've got a pair of tickets I'm going to give away for free next hour. Be listening next hour for that giveaway to the WHK 100th Anniversary Party. All right, let me get back on track now. Um, first of all, I want to tell you that coming up at 1010, we're going to talk to Judge Andrew Gold. He's a former uh, uh, member of the uh, Arizona Supreme Court. He was a justice on the Arizona Supreme Court. Now he is running for attorney general in that state, and he has a unique idea on how to cut down, if not stop outright, immigration, illegal immigration, into at least Arizona. There are obviously four border states that are impacted most by illegal immigration, one of them. I think worse than the others, and that would be Texas, but nonetheless, Andrew Gold's got some ideas on what to do to stop this, and we're going to talk to him about it, uh, as that continues to be just an enormous problem ignored by the Biden administration, ignored by the quote-unquote border czar, um, Kamala Harris. So that'll be coming up at 10.10. At 10.35, we're going to have a great conversation with Bill O'Reilly. Bill O uh, back with us to talk a little bit about his book, about killing the killers, but more about what's going on in this country right now, including... This gun control issue, I want to play uh, just a short clip of what Matthew McConaughey, uh, who is one of the most recognizable and I think one of the most, uh, you know, is beloved too strong of a word. He he has a crossover appeal that a lot of people like. He's not an angry man the way Robert De Niro is. You know what I mean? He's not holding up a severed head of Donald Trump. He's not calling, you know, Trump supporters racists and bigots and, and so on and so forth. He's not that guy. Is he left of center? Yeah, probably. But is he, like I said, hateful about it? No, he's not. So I think that's why the messaging came from him. And of course, the fact that he is a native of Uvalde, Texas—that's his hometown—is why they put him up yesterday at the uh, in front of the or behind the press secretary's podium to make the call for gun control. So I'm going to play just a short clip of what he had to say there.
5: We want secure and safe schools and we want gun laws that won't make it so easy for the bad guys to get these damn guns. So, we know it's on the table. We need to invest in mental health care. We need safer schools. We need to restrain sensationalized media coverage. We need to restore our family values. We need to restore... Our American values
3: and we need responsible gun ownership. Res- All right, I'm going to stop it right there. Because so far, I think he's batting a thousand. I do. We do need a focus on mental health issues. We do need to restore family values. We do need to restore American values. We do need safer schools. I think he's batting a thousand. And then he said, we need responsible gun ownership. I agree with that too. He's still batting a thousand. I don't want irresponsible gun ownership. I want responsible gun ownership. Provided that whatever steps he or they want to take to create responsible gun ownership does not infringe upon the rights of law abiding responsible gun owners. And that's where we come to an impasse responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We
5: need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes
3: and that's where he went off the rails a little bit. First of all, as far as background checks we already have background checks. Background checks don't stop stolen guns from getting into the hands of people who would not pass a background check. And did you know that there is there is an average of 2 guns stolen every single day in the city of Cleveland. Just Cleveland. Just Cleveland. Shrinking shriveling Cleveland. People are hem- the city is hemorrhaging Uh, residents, they're moving out of Cleveland, not just into outer ring suburbs, but they're leaving the entire northeast Ohio area because Cleveland has gotten so dangerous. It is so understaffed by police. Law-abiding gun owners can't even keep their guns. They're being stolen just in Cleveland. Now, multiply that and, and spread that out across the country. How many guns are being stolen across the country every single day? Background checks don't stop that. As far as raising the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 to 21 from 18. Again, one of the dumbest things that I think I hear the left talk about. You're telling me that at age 18, a young man or woman can go into the United States Marine Corps or the United States Army at age 18, and they can be handed an M-27 automatic infantry rifle. An M-27 Automatic. And we trust them to defend the country with that weapon. But then when that Marine or that, that soldier comes home on leave, they can't have an AR-15 semi-automatic, semi-automatic rifle because they're 18? Or they're 19? Or they're 20? Not until they're 21? Somebody make that make sense. It's not the age. It is the responsibility Of the gun owner and yes background checks are required already we need to stop trying to find new rules and new laws and enforce the ones that we have red flag laws however again now you're talking about now that batting a thousand you have just dropped way 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 down now you're talking about jumping up and down on the rights of innocent people without due process Red flag laws, for those who don't know, red flag laws are what the left wants to create that basically says if somebody thinks that somebody they know, a relative or a friend or whomever, um, who has a weapon, who is armed, who, 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 you know, that doesn't mean they carry it all the time, but, but they do own a firearm, that if they think that they might be unstable, they think they might be a threat to themselves or others, they report it to the authorities and then the authorities come and take their weapon away. And then they hold hearings on whether or not that weapon can be returned to the gun owner. And that gun owner has to hire attorneys to represent him, and the gun owner cannot be there to represent himself and argue that they are not irresponsible, not safe, not a threat to others. They can't even be there. That's what red, red flag laws do. So you can, of course, when I say no due process, again, they don't just assume your innocence until somebody proves your guilt or your, your, your status as a threat. They take the gun away and make you prove the negative, that you're not something that somebody else said you might be. Now take that out and put it into a number of real-world examples. How many times have people involved in bad breakups done things to try to harm the person that they have broken up with accuse them of domestic violence accuse them of any number of things to get them in trouble reported their illegal cable hookups you know what i mean i mean all of these things have been going on forever i'll show you we used to be tight now we're enemies and watch this that gun you love so much pick up the phone beep, Beep boop 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 yeah i know john smith and he is a nut he is threatening me all the time. He is a rage monster, and he has an AR-15. That's all it would take for... Open up, sir. Federal officials. ATF. We need your firearms, sir. Wait, wait, what? Why? Just step out of the way, sir. Where is your firearm? That's not America. That's not due process, but that's exactly what would happen. And again, I just made up the issue of a breakup. But there are any other number of reasons. Enemies, people at work that you don't like, people you fight with, a liberal and a conservative who just don't agree, neighbors, whatever. Whatever reason somebody has to say, I think that guy's a nut. Somebody made a Facebook post or shared a meme involving something with guns and some nut said, oh my gosh, that's just terrible. I think that person is unhinged. Beep, 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 boop, boop. Yeah, I just saw a post from this guy, and I know where he lives, and I think he's dangerous. That's a threat with a gun. These are not, this is not how America operates. So this idea is, you know, McConaughey says, these are reasonable, practical regulations. No, these are not reasonable, nor are they practical. These are hysterical, and these are knee-jerk reactions to a terrible situation in Uvalde, Texas. And I agree, it is a terrible situation. You cannot punish law-abiding people for the illegal, lawless actions of some mentally deranged psychotic people. That's the reality of the situation. Meantime, in the meantime, the Biden administration has announced that there is going to be a new focus and a new crackdown on growing domestic terrorism here in the United States. And we know what that means. When the Biden administration and the DOJ and Homeland Security says growing domestic terrorism, it means they are going to hyperfocus on white males with guns particularly if they're part of militias, which are not terror groups. And, of course, I speak not of terror groups. I'm talking about legitimate militias that train just in the event that they are needed to protect and defend our homeland, which we kind of did once before, which is why we're all here right now. So now they're coming after a the domestic terrorism problem as in response to the rising number of violent crimes that are being committed across America's uh, big cities. The problem is, of course, that none of those, or a very teeny tiny percentage of those violent crimes that are rocking all of these cities are being committed by the individuals they want to focus on. And that's why Ted Cruz, in the Senate Judiciary Committee committee hearing yesterday, focused on this and focused on three real propositions upon which everyone should be able to agree when it comes to violent crime three very important issues republicans and democrats ought to see the same way and this drives a dagger into the heart of the democrats arguments about the root so- uh, cause of violent crime and about who is responsible for it you need to listen to this
7: you know there ought to be at least three propositions on which all of us can agree number one violent crime is always unacceptable and should be punished severely. Number two, hate is wrong. And number three, the machinery of the federal government should not be used as a tool to target and persecute your political opponents. All three of those propositions should be ideas that bring us together regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum. Unfortunately, we see over and over again efforts to politicize acts of violence when it comes to white supremacy when it comes to vicious hate groups like the Klan or the nazi party in my view they are unequivocally hateful bigoted racist morons who should be denounced and despised. I do think my colleagues on the Democratic side of the aisle try very hard to erase the history of the Klan, that it was formed by elected Democrats, that its leadership was almost entirely elected Democrats, that the authors of the Jim Crow laws were without exception elected democrats. And I also think today's congressional democrats try to use the charge of white supremacy, which is undoubtedly evil, bigoted, and wrong, and weaponized by their own party. They try to use that as a proxy for attacking a political party they disagree with. And they do so by diminishing anti-Jewish violence, anti-Asian violence, violence directed at white people, violence directed at police. My view is simple. Violence is always wrong. Whatever your ideology, left wing, right wing, no wings. If you are seeking to hurt people, it is wrong. Is violence from white supremacist extremist organizations a problem? Absolutely. As is violence from other hate groups. The Brooklyn subway shooter was a known black supremacist who called for racial violence. The Waukesha attacker who murdered six people driving an SUV into a Christmas parade was a viciously left-wing black nationalist bigot. 2016, another black nationalist gunned down five police officers in Dallas. I was there with President Obama at the funeral for those police officers. He did so on Racial grounds. In 2019, two anti-Semitic domestic terrorists gunned down four people in a kosher grocery store. San Francisco in the past year has seen a 567% increase in anti-Asian violence. Anti-Jewish hate crimes in New York City are up 148% in the first quarter of 2022 compared to the first quarter of 2021. And then, of course, we have the violence of the Antifa riots and the Black Lives Matter riots that racked this country. As stores were looted, police cars were firebombed, people were assaulted, people were murdered. My colleagues on the Democratic side of the aisle sought to excuse, sought to apologize for, even went so far as raise money to bail out of jail the violent rioters committing these acts of violence. When it comes to violence, the Department of Justice should not treat it as an excuse simply to target the political opponents of whatever administration is in power, Republican or Democrat, but instead violent crime should be prosecuted vigorously across the board to keep people safe
3: senator ted cruz laying it out and his message is spot on hate is hate violence is violence and it should be treated the same way not with special focus on political opponents which is why he ran down all of the other violence committed against other people by non-white organizations this country is not in danger because of white supremacist hate groups. This country is in danger because of wild violence from all sides. And if we are to, to do anything to, to contain it, to corral it, we have to acknowledge it. And we have to treat it all the same way. Thank you to Senator Cruz for that brilliance. We'll get a time out here. We'll go to news. And on the other side of the news, we're going to try to stop what's going on at the southern border. Andrew Gold running for Attorney General in Arizona is going to be joining us to talk about his plan for that next AM 1420, The Answer.
1: You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.
0: Always Right Radio with Bob friends on AM 1420, The Answer.
3: Hour number two underway now at 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for being with us on this Wednesday. It is the uh, the uh, eighth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Don't forget, Bill O'Reilly going to join me in about a half an hour. We're going to talk about the uh, gun grab uh, that is going on. We're also going to ask him about the made-for-TV uh, show. It's it's a show. It's a. I'm I'm, I'm reminded of Arthur Kirkland in uh, uh, one of my very favorite movies of all time, and Justice for All. It's a show. It's nothing but a show. The January 6th Commission is going to be on live TV tomorrow night, prime time, as they wait with bated breath on CNN and MSNBC to try and watch, or to rather to watch the Democrats try and save themselves from a midterm shellacking by painting the Republican Party and the MAGA uh, Trump supporters from January 6th as being too dangerous to let back into power. They hired the former president of ABC News to produce this, to make it, quote, TV-friendly tomorrow. I mean, my goodness. Uh, it, if that doesn't tell you it's a show, they're literally creating, instead of it being a a, a very important congressional hearing, they're going to turn it into a made-for-TV special so they can try to trash Republicans. So Bill O'Reilly will join me to talk about that and more coming up at 1035. For now, I want to talk about this 15,000-strong caravan and growing. Yet another uh, caravan of illegal aliens coming to our border demanding, let us in, let us in. Joe Biden, you promised you have to let us in. And, of course, Joe Biden will agree and abide and allow them in, as he has allowed $2 million in or so in the last year and a half. Um, he doesn't care. Well, let me rephrase. He does care very much. He actually is carrying out a plan. This is exactly what they said they were going to do, and it's what they are doing. The uh, border czar, Kamala Harris, refuses to go down there and actually see the uh, situation for itself. Instead, preferring to address the root cause. The root cause. We've got to find out what's going on in all these other countries and give them billions of dollars to make life a little better there for their people so the people don't want to come here. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the right policy for a lot of us, particularly those living in border states. Joining us now to discuss exactly that is a former justice on the Arizona Supreme Court, now candidate for attorney general in that border state. Um, This is a situation that requires some outside-the-box thinking, and Andrew Gold, Justice or Judge Andrew Gold, is doing exactly that. Uh, Justice Gold, good to have you on our program here in Cleveland, Ohio. How are you, sir?
4: I'm doing well. Thank you, Bob, for having me. Do you agree that we are
3: all border states now? Perhaps not to the degree that obviously you and the good people in Arizona are, but when Biden is allowing these just extraordinarily high record numbers of illegals to cross our border and then gives them bus passes or or flights in the dead of night to all corners of the country, we're kind of all, at, in, some way, uh, in some ways, in some ways, we're kind of all victimized by uh, illegal immigration, are we not?
4: Oh, you're absolutely right on that. Um, people have often said to me, Arizona is the welcome mat for illegal immigration and cartels. I would say we're more the doormat. Um, they they come across our border, but they go to every city you can imagine. Uh, and the cartels are everywhere. They're not just in Arizona. It's just we're the front line where we should be stopping this criminal behavior, and we're not. So they pass through, they walk through Arizona, and uh, and create a lot of destruction down on the border.
3: Yeah, there's no question about that. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I'm looking at, before we get to your outside-the-box idea about how to deal with this, since the federal government won't do it, and you're you're looking at it from a state perspective, um, just the numbers. Last year, U.S. border agents arrested a record 1.9 million migrants illegally entering the United States. And those who support the administration's policies here say, see, what's the problem? They arrested that many people. They, they seem to want us to believe that arresting them means we are turning them around and booting them back to from, from whence they came. And that's not exactly what's going on, is it, Judge?
4: Not at all. Um, The vast majority of those uh, individuals have been released into the communities. Of course, we don't know how many people we didn't arrest. Uh, It could be double that number. I mean, these are entire cities that are coming into the United States. Uh, We've never seen anything like this before. So uh, I I can tell you, uh, if, if you're down on that border, you will run into people coming through the gaps in the wall, and there are many. All the time. You can't be at the wall and not see 10, 20, sometimes 50 people coming across at a time. And their first question is, where's Border Patrol? Because they want Border Patrol to pick them up, give them some water, they stay for a while, and then they're released. You know, and uh, the question
3: of where's Border Patrol is is one that could probably easily be answered with everywhere, and nowhere, because they're outnumbered. It doesn't matter how hard they work, how much ground they try to cover. Heck, they tried to get on horseback so they could, uh, you know, cover more ground, as we know, and we saw what happened there. They were accused of whipping uh, migrants. So, it doesn't matter how much they try. There are just too many miles of open border, and not just in Arizona, but in Texas, New Mexico, more more Arizona, I think, and Texas as well, but we all know the story here. Um, they can't cover as much ground as there are, as there is open, rather, for uh, migrants to come in. That's why this one Point nine million migrants that we just talked about that number is of course very very low because we don't know how many got away how many just were never detected at all or were detected but outran the the outnumbered border patrol
4: you're you're exactly right that terrain i can't speak to texas but i know our border in arizona it's rough there's mountainous areas of course we have extreme heat four or five months out of the year and those border patrol agents sometimes they're out there alone trying to detain 100 illegal aliens. It's the same thing with sheriff's deputies. You might have one deputy patrolling an area alone for 25 miles. What they have to contend with down there, people can't even imagine. I was down at one of the gaps in the border uh, wall about a week ago. And the things you can find on the ground, because what happens is when 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 these illegal aliens come across, when they go through the river, they dump their clothes, their food, everything on the ground. There's IDs on the ground. When I was there, there was a copy of the book 1984 by George Orwell in Russian on the ground. So we're not just getting people coming in from Mexico and Central America. I assure you of that.
3: You know, that's a very important point that you make, and I don't know if people talk about that. Um we we seem to think that everybody that's crossing that border is from one of the central, you know, the triangle countries from Honduras or El Salvador or someplace, and that they just want to come here and work for a better life. They want to work in construction or they're migrant farm workers. We have people coming in from, I think, I think last year, and I could be a little bit off on this, from maybe 150 countries that have been... Um, that have been discovered in the United States that came across the border illegally. They're finding their way from pretty much all corners of the globe. They're finding their way down to the Central American countries and then joining caravans or, or just making their march by themselves up here across the border. So that means we don't know who they are. We don't know what their intention is. I don't know what Russians are doing here. I don't know what Syrians might be doing here. I don't know what Iranians might be doing here. All I know is that we can't tra- track them and we can't stop them if we don't make a committed effort to do so.
4: That's absolutely right. It can't be good. Uh And I, I can tell you, when I was the presiding judge in Yuma County, um I handled all the wiretaps that were done in the Yuma sector. And I, I can't share what was on those wiretaps, but suffice it to say there are some frightening things going on on the other side of that border. Uh, we've had a lot of tragedies along the border, uh, but we have been lucky in many ways. Um I, I will tell you that, Bob.
3: We are talking with uh, Andrew Gold. He is a former justice on the Arizona Supreme Court. He's now a candidate for the Arizona Attorney General's Office, which would be, I think, a terrific idea for Arizonans because of what you are doing. I mentioned at the beginning you're thinking outside the box. If we can't plead with the federal government to do what needs to be done, to build a barrier, to build the wall that President Trump started, to find a way to slow the constant flow and, and, and rush at our border, from the federal perspective, that maybe we need to do it from the state perspective. So you are looking at trespassing laws. Tell us about that.
4: Yes. Well, there's two problems what I've seen states try to do so far. Uh, one is they try to force the federal government to do its job. Uh, those lawsuits haven't worked. Uh, the president has too much discretion in enforcing those laws. Second, it's trying to get states to assume the authority that the federal government has we can't do that. Uh, the Supremacy Clause, preemption under the federal constitution. There are certain powers only the federal government can exercise. So my plan is based on being a prosecutor on the border, looking at this from a state perspective, being a judge in Arizona. Uh, and I've vetted this plan with sheriffs on the border repeatedly. I want to set up a no trespassing zone, and it works very simply. States have jurisdiction to enforce their criminal laws, on state land and private land. They can't enforce them on tribal land or federal land, but they can enforce criminal laws that protect citizens and their property on state and private land. We have pinch points where the caravans and the cartels come through. The sheriff's deputies know them well. We don't have to patrol all 371 miles of the border. We have to stage at those pinch points, which we're doing on a small scale now, with drones, cameras, patrols, And when the cartel members and the caravan step foot on state or private land, we arrest for trespass. We're then allowed, under the doctrine of search incident to arrest, to search them and seize any illegal drugs, guns, money, anything that they have. And then we can take that evidence that we seize and prosecute them for it. So if a group of 10 backpackers come across uh, a rancher's land and cut his fences, they could be arrested for trespass for the damage they do, for disorderly conduct, they can be arrested, the fentanyl they have in their backpacks can be seized, and they can be prosecuted as drug traffickers, part of an organized criminal syndicate, and the penalties are very severe in this state. So it's using state law, state law enforcement, and state prosecutors to protect the people of this state and to protect their property.
3: Uh, Judge, I've got two follow-ups to that. The first one would be, what happens after they're arrested and prosecuted? Are they put in Arizona jails?
4: Two different categories. The cartel members that are actually working and trafficking in drugs, we prosecute them as we always have. For the group that is coming in, the illegal aliens who are not transporting drugs, I'm going to offer them a plea offer. They can go to trial and go to prison or... They can accept what we call a deferred prosecution with a two-year time period and one condition, return to Mexico voluntarily. A deferred prosecution works like this. If you obey the conditions of that deferred prosecution, here it would be a two-year time period, return to Mexico, obey all laws. I'll dismiss that charge. If you violate it and you come back, I'm going to reinstitute it and prosecute you. The, the punishment has to fit the crime. There has to be a consequence for breaking our laws to come into the country illegally. But we cannot house a million illegal aliens in our jails in Arizona. We can't afford to do it. So what we want them to do is voluntarily return to Mexico. It's a carrot and a stick. There's the carrot. You can return. If you obey these conditions, I'll dismiss it. And you may have a chance someday to come back into the country legally. If you violate it and you come back and trespass again, then I'm going to prosecute you and you're going to go to prison.
3: Um, you've said a couple of times uh, return to Mexico. And of course, they're not all from Mexico. Do you, do you mean return to their home countries or does it mean literally just south of the border as long as you're not here?
4: <laughs> it's an interesting question because we still have in place the remain in Mexico policy, although the Biden administration hasn't enforced it. Right. But I think a common sense approach to it is. If you're from Mexico or Central America, we would have you return to Mexico. But if you're from one of these other countries, we do what we always have done. We give you a plane ticket back to the country of origin. I would rather pay $500 to send somebody back to Sudan or the Middle East or wherever they came from rather than spending thirty dollars or $35,000 a year to house them in our, our jails. We I just don't have that. the money to do that.
3: The the second follow up, Judge Gold, that I had for you on this is um, manpower and and also the danger that your officers would be. And I'm assuming what state police? Are we talking patrol troopers? Who who? And I know you said you certainly wouldn't have the manpower to uh, to patrol 371 miles of border, and you'd, you'd, you would, you would concentrate on what you called the pinch points. But even so, I'm curious as to whether or not you have the manpower for that. And then second of all, the danger because. Um, you know, drug cartels don't like giving up their drugs. They don't like getting caught, no. uh, and I and I can see them fighting with everything they have, including shooting and, and attacking. Uh, you know, your your officers who are trying to arrest them on on, on trespass charges. Um, I can see it being obviously a very very dangerous proposition. How would you um, How would your 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 crew handle that?
4: Well, you're right about danger. You know, when I was a prosecutor. Bob, I was threatened by cartels. I had to send my family out of state at one point. So they do play hardball. In terms of the exposure to danger, uh, the sheriff's deputies are already subject to that. Um, So it's nothing new for them. But the question is the resources. Right now, they don't have the resources. And we talk about resources, talking about two things primarily. Sheriff's deputies that live in these communities, that know where these pinch points are, and also local police and those local communities, and then the drones and the cameras that they need to patrol the area. We don't have those resources right now. But what I will tell you is this. We spent $99 million last year in Arizona on a border strike force. It was money given to the Department of Public Safety. They didn't make one single arrest on the border. So taking money and, and And putting a title on it doesn't mean that it gets done. With $99 million, we could hire hundreds of sheriff's deputies, local police. We could buy them the drones, the cameras, the equipment they need, and the temporary facilities that we need. There's $50 million the state has spent on a state border fence. We couldn't build a state border fence in Arizona for $50 million if it was made out of paper. So... We've already appropriated and spent $150 million on border security. And for half that amount of money, if we just rededicated money we've already appropriated or just spend it on the plan that I have, we could tamp down that border. But we're going to need support. Those sheriffs right now are working 80, 100 hours a week. And we do need the manpower. But the money's there. It just has been spent on the wrong things.
3: Would you expect pushback from Merrick Garland and the federal DOJ?
4: Always. And that's the beauty of the plan. They have told us repeatedly, you cannot enforce immigration law as a state. I get it. Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution gives that authority to the federal government. But we have the power to enforce our police powers under the Tenth Amendment. This is enforcing criminal laws regarding physical safety of our citizens and the safety of their property. The federal government cannot preempt that authority by a state. So they can come, and I'm ready for them.
3: We are talking with uh, Judge Andrew Gold, who is running for the uh, uh, the top uh, lawman's job in the state of Arizona. He wants to be Attorney General. He already sat on the Arizona Supreme Court as a justice. Uh, Judge Gold, I appreciate you coming on. I more appreciate what you're doing. We can't vote for you from here in Ohio, obviously, but we can certainly support you, uh, because I think we do need that kind of thinking, that kind of state-level thinking, if the federal government has completely abrogated their responsibilities on the border. So I thank you for what you're doing, and I certainly wish... Wish you the very, very best in the election.
4: Thank you, Bob. And my website is Gould4AG.com. Anyone who wants to support me or read my policies, it's all on the website.
3: Gould4AG. Gould, for those who don't know, is G-O-U-L-D, Gould4AG.com. Thank you, Judge. We appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. 10:28. 10:28. Now we'll take a time out of here. Take it to the news break, and on the other side of the news, we'll talk with Bill O'Reilly about what's going on. The made for prime time affair tomorrow night uh, in the uh, January 6th uh, hearings. We'll talk about that and more coming up. AM 1420. The end.
0: the depravity of the radical left always right radio with bob france on the answer
3: Online at alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. Make sure you check it out for the latest conservative news and views of the day. There's a lot of good stuff. The Jim Jordan interview from Monday is up. You want to check that out. There's a Ted Cruz speech from yesterday in the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. You definitely want to check that out if you missed it earlier on. By the way, uh, a little bit later this half hour, be paying attention. I told you, we got a pair of tickets for you to come to the 100th celebration, the 100th anniversary rather celebration of WHK Radio, the oldest radio station in the state of Ohio, flipped it on in 1922. And on June 21st, 13 days from now, we will celebrate together at Harry Buffalo. So we've got tickets to give away for that coming up in just a bit. For now, though, I want to welcome back to our program the great Bill O'Reilly. When I say great, I'm just talking about a guy who's pretty much got broadcasting and publishing success that has been unmatched. Uh, the number one host of, uh, uh, number, highest rated cable news host, I guess I should say, for 16 consecutive years, as we remember from the O'Reilly Factor. And over 19 million killing books in print Over $19 collectively. The latest, of course, is Killing the Killers. We talked to Bill O'Reilly about that a few weeks back, but we want to touch base with him again. A little bit more on that and a little bit more on what's going on in our country. Bill O'Reilly, welcome back to Cleveland. How are you, sir?
6: Thanks uh, for having me, Bob. I appreciate it. You know, I'm doing round two of the uh, promotion for Killing the Killers because Father's Day is coming up, and uh, we want everybody to save money. So if you buy Killing the Killers from BillOReilly.com, Bob, We'll give you Killing the Mob free. Wow. Those books uh, hit number one. Um, Killing the Killers is the number one uh, book in the world right now, nonfiction book. And so we hope everybody will consider that. Um, we know people are under pressure from gas prices and food prices. So we'll we'll throw in a free uh, Killing the Mob for you. Dad will like those books. And, uh, you know, if you want bad to like you, this is a good play.
3: Well, you know, it's funny you say that. Literally a week ago, I gave my father-in-law my copy of Killing the Mob uh, to read. My, my, my—he's ninety. He's just a history buff. He loves all of these things. But I just—he just finished that one. The next thing I need to get for him is the—is the, uh, uh, is the uh, Killing the Killers. Uh, but I know he enjoyed it, uh, and I'm sure everyone. And by the way, it's a great gesture. You're right because inflation is just killing and crippling middle America, middle class America, all right. Americans really, but from middle class on down to the impoverished class. Um, what the Biden administration is doing to us right now uh, is is simply unprecedented. Bill, they refuse to acknowledge, however, their own actions. They continue to call it Putin price hikes, both on energy, gas, and what's, yeah, in, your, what's in your grocery cart. How, how do they get away with that?
6: Well, they don't get away with it. I mean, if you saw what happened uh, in California yesterday, you got the radical left DA of San Francisco getting fired by the people. Um, Chesa Bodine got recalled in L.A., a businessman with no political experience, uh, outrated the radical left congresswoman in the mayoral race. There will be a runoff. But the radical left and, and the Biden administration, certainly a part of that, um, are now on the run, and they are not going to make a comeback, Bob, because the pain that Americans are experiencing is real. And even the dimmest among us know. The incompetence of President Biden and his acolytes, and you know it, it almost had to happen to wake the country up, but it absolutely is happening
3: you know you, you talk about the acolytes let 's talk about one of those because this is one of the most tone deaf comments i 've heard in a very long time in you i 'm sure saw it yesterday as well, Debbie Stabenow, the Democrat from Michigan. Literally came up with the 2022 version of let them eat cake, let them get Teslas, let them drive $56,000 automobiles with five to $600 monthly payments in order to avoid $5 a gallon at the gasoline stations. Because she said she drove by them all, driving from Michigan to back to DC. And she drove by all of those stations saying, I don't care how high those prices are. I'm in my electric vehicle.
6: Yeah, I didn't hear uh, Congresswoman Sabino say that, but I'm not surprised. And that kind of arrogance, uh, let's destroy the American energy industry in the name of climate change, that's another thing that basically American voters are going to have to consider. I mean, are, these, are these the people you want to run this country? If it continues, if people continue to vote for these people, Bob, and you know this better than anyone, then you're going to have a massive amount of personal pain, and your family is not going to be as secure as it was. Look, the stats are simple. Under Trump, inflation ran 1.4%. Under Biden, 17 months later, it's approaching 11% when you factor everything in. I mean, you've got to be stupid to say that the Biden administration is helping your family. You've got to be flat-out stupid report
3: that well yeah i suppose you're right except that joe biden went on tv just two days ago and said how more americans are comfortable with their economic situation now than they have been since 2013 when the start of that survey began he literally thinks that americans and this is by self-reporting this is a survey they say they're comfortable with their economic situation with this five dollar gas and this 11 percent inflation
6: Saddam Hussein said he wasn't losing the Gulf War.
2: <laughs> Great so comparison. I, can tell you,
6: I mean, you know, if you want to consider propaganda, fine. I don't even think Biden knows what he's saying anymore.
2: He just reads
6: the words off the pages in not very convincing fashion. But it's just ranked propaganda, and 9 out of 10 Americans know it's ranked propaganda.
3: Bill we're talking to Bill O'Reilly uh this morning on AM 1420 the answer his latest book uh in his killing series is is unprecedentedly successful that's not correct that's not correct language is unprecedented successful uh killing series over 19 million books in print uh he's got a special for you if you buy killing the killers he'll give you killing the mob free to make sure that you can give dad get nice gifts really appreciate that Bill now there's two other things I want to ask you about. One is, of course, the gun situation. The other is going to be about the media. And I know you wrote something on the media and the death of, of TV news. But but I want to start with the gun situation. They trotted out one of the guys who's more or less, I think, a crossover kind of Hollywood star, as Hollywood stars go. He's not in your face. He's not rabid. He's not, you know, just, just you know completely off the hook like Robert De Niro and others. He may be left to center, but Matthew McConaughey is, is, is not, you know, uh, an extremist, if you will. So they trotted him out there to say these are reasonable, common-sense gun control regulations that we should be putting in place, raising the age on ARs from 18 to 21, red flag laws, and the whole nine yards. Um, Do you think that that will be a successful uh, move for the gun grabbers to bring somebody like him out there who, again, has some crossover appeal?
6: Yes, and I think McConaughey is a uh, sincere man. He certainly has uh, the context to say what he said because he's from Ovalde, uh, where the children were slaughtered. But the gun control lobby doesn't really want to solve the problem, Bob. Everyone in public policy understands that if you raise the age from 18 to 21 to buy an AR, that's not solving gun violence. Criminals are going to get an AR. They're not going to abide by any gun ban or any rule or any red flag law. They're not going to do any of that. And the major portion of gun violence in this country is committed by criminal drug gangs. And the media won't even report that. But if you look at the stats from the FBI, thousands of people are killed every year by inner-city drug gangs using weapons. You think these people are buying those weapons legitimately? So I I applaud McConaughey for trying, but if he thinks that any of this gun control stuff that we're considering now is going to stop the carnage, he's in the land of odds. The only thing, and this uh, comes back to killing the killers, by the way, I'll explain in a moment. The only thing that will diminish gun violence in this country is to federalize all gun crime. So if you walk into a grocery store in Cleveland with a gun, the state of Ohio does not prosecute you. The federal government does. And if you're convicted, you get a mandatory five of first offense, and then it goes up for previous offenses in a federal penitentiary. And that extends to carrying an illegal weapon as well. If you're caught with an illegal gun, you go into the federal system. That will stop it. Oh, And it makes it easier for law enforcement to arrest and hand you over to the feds. Now, the killing the killers component is this. Once Congress passed the law that said if the U.S. government designated a group or a person terrorist, that the U.S. government could assassinate those people. And that's how we broke the back of ISIS and al-Qaeda. We assassinated them. And that's what killing the killers is all about. And Americans don't understand that. The reason we won that war on terror overseas is because of a law that was instituted by the federal government, which could do the same thing on the gun crime situation. But it won't, because most of the people prosecuted would be African-American. And the liberal won't do that, and the media won't support that, even if they have guns. You know what's going on in Chicago, absolutely, and to some extent Cleveland and the bad neighborhoods. Everybody absolutely knows.
3: Absolutely in Cleveland. I'll be honest with you, Bill. The the murder rate in Cleveland, the homicide rate, is higher than Chicago per capita when you when you factor in the population. And who's doing it? Who's well, doing it? Exactly well, eighteen. The same. The same right.
6: In trying to
3: buy a gun. Exactly the same kind of gang members you're talking about. And oh, by the way, also here in Cleveland, right. just since we're on it. Um, there is an average of two guns stolen per day in the city of Cleveland, just the city of Cleveland. So, again, how are gun laws going to protect people when guns are not being uh, purchased legally, they're being stolen, and, and they're being obtained on the black market, or whatever the case might be? Which brings us to the real quick follow-up on this before we talk about TV news, uh, Bill. And that is Biden's statement, or at least through uh, um, Kareem Jean-Pierre, that he does not believe in hardening of schools. He doesn't believe in limiting access points, entry points, uh, armed security, and so on and so forth on uh, school grounds, which, of course, just you know continues uh, the pattern of soft targets that anybody who wants to be in that isn't deterred by that little sign on the front of the school that says, gun-free zone. Uh, they're not deterred by that at all, and he wants to keep them soft targets. How do you respond to that? Well,
6: it's a local issue. I mean, Biden doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do about anything. And those Biden supporters who may be listening now, I ask one simple question. Is there one thing you can point to as he has improved the country in his tenure? One, just give me one. Nobody can. But getting back to the school, that's a local issue. Um, and, and the federal government should stay out of it. If the local, well, 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 uh, if I may, county.
3: let me challenge, let me challenge you on that. It's it's local in in decision making, but the federal government can't stay out of it because I think the federal government needs to fund it. I think the federal government needs to well, lay grants on all not, of these not, schools not. so they can hire these uh, these guards.
6: We have a gentleman's disagreement here. Okay, the federal government gives block grants to the states to use the way the states want to use it in public schools. So certainly that money, that block grant money, could be used to secure the schools by hiring armed guards or whatever they feel necessary in that county. There are some counties in the country that don't need all this, that they don't have any problems. Most of those are rural counties. But certainly in the urban situations, you need as much protection for the children as you can get. But again, the decision-making always has been since George Washington's time that locals take care of the public education in their area. And I think that should remain.
3: Bill O'Reilly is our guest. Bill, last thing for you. You wrote a piece, your latest column, on uh, the, the fall of TV news. And I want to combine what you wrote there, and you talk about uh, you know, Walter Cronkite and the way things used to be. Um, Tomorrow night, they're going to turn the January 6th committee hearings into a made-for-TV production, literally made-for-TV. They hired the former, now-retired president of ABC News to produce this, to make it, I think their words were, more TV-friendly. This isn't news coverage, and this is is no longer uh, a congressional hearing with the purpose of doing right by the American people. This is an attempt to put on a show that they think may save the Democrats' uh, uh, from the shellacking that is on on its way in November. Uh, they're trashing Fox News for refusing to carry this thing tomorrow, while CNN and MSNBC will provide round-the-clock coverage of it. Um, give me your thoughts on that.
6: Um, number one, the reason this uh, exposition is happening in prime time on Thursday night is to stop Trump from running for president again. It's not so much to bolster Biden, because that's impossible. It's to stop Trump, all right? And all the networks want to stop him. And two of that of the three cables want to stop him. So um, Fox, they're not what they were when I was there. It's a whole different outlook. And they know that most of their audience don't want to watch this dog and pony show. And so they're not going to run it, and they'll get high ratings for not running it. The people don't want to watch it. Because it's the only cable news that that isn't carrying it. We'll watch Fox. So it's an economic play. I don't care one way or the other. If you want to watch the hearing, you got six other outlets to watch it on. Why do you care if Fox carries it or not? It's ridiculous. Um, but everybody should know that I'll watch the fi- first five minutes of it. If I don't see anything new, Bob, if there isn't any fact-based presentation the first five minutes that I... Haven't heard, I'm gone. I'm watching the Food Channel or, uh, you know, how to go to the beach, whatever they have. I'm not going to sit there for propaganda.
3: Um, Does Liz Cheney survive this?
6: No. She's running 20 points behind in the polls out in Wyoming. I said that in the very beginning, that Wyoming, the least populated state in the union, one congressperson, Liz Cheney, she hates Trump. Most Republicans in Wyoming love Trump, so you do the math. She's gone, and you know what's going to happen to her after she's booted out?
3: Well, I'm assuming you know, she's got a job waiting for her on either CNN or MSNBC.
6: You're a brilliant guy, Bob. That's <laughs> absolutely right. won't be MSNBC. It'll be CNN. They'll hire her, and then they'll say, oh, we're mainstreaming now. We just hired a Republican. Exactly what's going to happen,
3: and that is exactly what they are saying they're pledging to do. Of course, after the collapse of CNN Plus, after what a week, um, or two weeks, three weeks, whatever it was, I they know. know that nobody is I watching, mean, and great. they've got to. Good.
6: And it's all about money. I mean, it's not about any sense of fairness. No, of course not. If they were making money, you know, with this far left presentation, they keep it. But they're getting whacked, so now they're going to try to go back to being a news network. Hey, CNN, too late. Nobody's going to buy it.
3: Bill O'Reilly's uh, column on the fall of TV news is uh, on his webpage, as is so much more, at BillOReilly.com. Uh, and again, Bill's uh, book is a great Father's Day gift, the latest in the killing series, Killing the Killers. And as he just announced, uh, you buy a Killing the Killers, he will toss in for Father's Day to help you out uh, killing the mob for free. So make sure you get those ordered up. Bill, it's always good talking politics, talking about what's going on in our country with you. Thanks for coming on.
6: Anytime, Bob. And that, that offer is on BillOReilly.com, by the way, for people. Who might want to consider it? But uh, I always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for having me in.
3: Thank you so much, Bill. Bill O'Reilly joining us. It's ten fifty-five. We'll take our time out here. Come back. Always Right Radio online at AlwaysRight.us and on air at Always uh, at AM fourteen twenty. The end. The first station in the state of Ohio to bring the Beatles. To town, to Cleveland, the oldest station in the entire state of Ohio. We're celebrating our 100th anniversary on June 21st. A huge party plan starting at 6 p.m. Great music with Top Dog, a Beatles cover band because of the celebration of our heritage. We want you to be there and right now. I want you to call 216-901-0945. The eighth caller to that number, 216-901-0945, will get a pair of tickets to our anniversary celebration on June 21st. If you don't win them, you got to buy them. Do it now. Don't wait until it's sold out. Go to whkradio.com to buy your tickets, whkradio.com, and good luck to you. 216-901-0945 will announce the winner after the news here on AM 1420 DMs.
1: She's a big teaser She took me halfway there now She was a day trip up One way ticket, yeah It took
5: me so long To find out
1: You and I know... Th-
3: onward into hour number three we go at eight minutes now nine minutes after 11 o'clock thanks for being with us on this wednesday it's the eighth morning of the sixth month of the year of our lord 2022 so for those who don't know what i was talking about with bill o'reilly at the end there this um this uh little show this uh choreographed event that they're putting on tomorrow night on primetime television don't know who else gonna carry it i do know that um uh, it's going to be carried by CNN and MSNBC. I don't know if it's going to be on the network CNN or not, or uh, network NBC, rather, or not. I, I, we'll, we'll see. But this is what it's all about, and this is from the New York Times. This is something. This is really, really something. Creating propaganda from the never-ending January 6th show trials, made-for-TV moments, and carefully choreographed rollout of Revelations – uh is what you do when you have nothing else to run on as a campaign message and we're about to lose control of congress from the new york this is this is from a political shorts tweet i just read you from a political short and they quote the new york times and this is what the new york times wrote 17 months after a mob of donald j trump supporters stormed the capitol with false claims of a stolen election House Democrats plan to use a landmark set of investigative hearings beginning this week to try to refocus voters' attention on January 6th, aiming to tie Republicans directly to an unprecedented plan to undermine democracy itself. Now, I'm going to pause there to make sure you understand what that just said. While criticizing Trump supporters, calling it an attack on democracy, they admitted they're using, House Democrats are using this TV production to try to, to change voters' minds for November. In other words, they're using the January 6th committee for what it was created, and that is for politics, to gain votes. Nothing more. It's not about defending democracy. It's not about protecting the institutions. This is about votes. Nothing more. Nothing less. The New York Times goes on to say, With their control of Congress hanging in the balance, Democrats plan to use made-for-television moments and a carefully choreographed rollout of revelations over the course of six hearings to remind the public of the magnitude of Mr. Trump's effort to overturn the election and to persuade voters that the coming midterm elections are a chance to hold Republicans accountable for it. That is astounding that they just come right out and admit it. This is not about getting to the bottom of what happened and what caused, if you will, uh, the January 6th riot at the Capitol. This is about scoring points on it. This is about getting votes for it. Last paragraph from the New York Times that's relevant here. It is an uphill battle at a time when polls show that voters' attention is focused elsewhere including on inflation, rising coronavirus cases. Stop that lie, too. And record high gas prices. But Democrats argue the hearings will give them a platform for making a broader case about why they deserve to stay in power. I want you to think about that. Why they deserve to stay in power. They have no... Let me, let me rephrase. And by the way, we are guest-free the rest of the way, so if you want to get in, this is a good time. I've had a lot to say today, and we've had a lot of guests. My apologies. I haven't opened up the phones yet. Uh, 216-901-0945, 888 Oh, we did open up the phones for a contest, though. Johnny Hiles, dude, did, did, did uh, you find a winner for us? We have a winner,
7: uh, Joe Mannion, not to be confused with the senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin from Brexville.
3: Joe in Brexville was our winner of the pair of tickets to our WHK 100th anniversary celebration coming up on June 21st. If you don't win your tickets, buy your tickets and join us for a great time as we celebrate being canceled and celebrate our heritage all at the same time. June 21st at Harry Buffalo. Tickets are available online at whkradio.com. Now, back to the point that I was making. Phone lines are open at 216-901-0945 and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Let's say for just the sake of this, this discussion that there was no January 6th, okay? It never happened. President Trump uh, didn't give a speech, uh, and a bunch of people didn't go down to the Capitol who were supposed to. What did President Trump ask them to do, by the way? I believe it was peacefully and patriotically, right? Peacefully and patriotically go down there and make your voices heard. I think that's exactly what he told them to do. Well let's just say for a second well, we're going to walk
0: down right. to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building
3: to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. That's it. Peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. But let's pretend for a second that that didn't happen. And what started out with almost everybody was peaceful and patriotically that turned into something worse than that is, uh, of course, the assault on the building and then the opening of doors and people walking right in, escorted by police in some cases. Certainly not thinking that they're about to have their lives turned upside down by walking into an escorted red carpeted door in the, uh, in the Capitol building. Well, let's say all of that didn't happen for just a second, right? And we are sitting here in June, so we're five months away from the midterm elections. And let's just say that the Democrats wanted to do what the, what the New York Times just described that they want to do with these January 6th hearings. And that is, use a platform on national television to make a broader case about why they deserve to stay in power. Okay? So January 6th didn't happen. But the Democrats are going on national TV, carried live in prime time on CNN, MSNBC, and maybe even the networks. And they plan to argue why they deserve to stay in power. And I'm asking this very seriously, and I'm not playing around here. What would you hear? What would that sound like? You understand what I'm asking? I mean... How, how would it sound for the Democrats, again, if January 6th didn't happen and they didn't have this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, you know, Trump caused this massive attack on democracy, this attempted coup, the overthrow of the government, blah, 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 trash that they're putting up there now. If they didn't have that to go on, what would it sound like? I mean, could they run on the state of the economy? Could they say, could they go on live TV tomorrow night and say, look at the tremendous growth we've had in our economy? No. Could they say, look at, look at the lower taxes that Americans have had to pay under our Democrat leadership with full control of government in the White House, in the House, and in the Senate? Could they run on that? That wouldn't be on TV tomorrow night. Could they go on TV and brag about the phenomenal job they're doing at securing American sovereignty and cutting down on the flow of illegal drugs, illegal guns, illegal uh, human trafficking at our southern border? No, no, they, they couldn't go on TV with that tomorrow night. Could they go on TV and say, boy, in the year and a half since... President Biden has been in power, and we have been there at his side, on the legislative side. Violent crime in American cities has plummeted to record low levels. Could they go on TV and say that? Could they, could they use that as a, quote, broader case as to why they deserve to stay in power? No, no, they probably couldn't do that either. Could they go on TV tomorrow night and say, we deserve to stay in power because of the phenomenal job that we are doing at providing Americans with their basic needs? You know, things like baby formula. No, no, they they couldn't do that either. What could they say tomorrow if they didn't have January 6th to say Trump and his people are bad? What could they do to quote New York Times, make a broader case about why they deserve to stay in power? What would they say? Tell, call me and tell me. Seriously, if I'm missing something, tell me. 216 9010945. Listen, I, I know what they probably would say. They'd probably go with the job numbers. You know, President Biden has created more jobs in the first year and a half of his term than any president in American history, which, of course, is the biggest com- comical farce that I think. You know, one could even imagine, because it was primarily Democrat governors that laid off millions and millions of Americans during COVID, and then as COVID subsided, and as shots went in arms, and they decided it's okay to open businesses back up again, people are going back to their jobs, and they're calling it new job creation. That's not job creation. That's laid off people being called back to work. I suppose they would go with that, but what else could they go with? Domestically, nothing. Foreign policy, well, gee, we had a mad, power-hungry Kim Jong-un lobbing missiles into the sea, testing nuclear-tipped missiles during the entirety of the Obama administration. They harnessed them and stopped their testing during the entire Trump administration. Now that here's Biden, what's he doing? He's lobbing missiles again. Vladimir Putin in Russia, during the Biden, I mean, uh, Obama administration, completely ignored international will and the threat by Obama, and annexed the the, uh, the Crimean Peninsula from Ukraine. Obama did nothing. Trump comes in, Vladimir Putin... Looking into the sky, whistling, I'm not up to anything. I'm not doing anything. Not while that guy's there. I don't know what he'll do to me. As soon as Trump is gone, here comes Biden. And, oh, here comes the Russian army. Just invading Ukraine. What did the Biden administration do to stop it? Nothing. Couldn't even get their messaging right. Our sanctions are intended to deter their invasion. Our sanctions were never intended to deter. We knew they were going to do it anyway. I mean, it's just, what would they say? We have a broad platform here on which to run that proves that we deserve to stay in power. What would they say? The entire broadcast would be absolutely nothing but crickets. What? Bill O'Reilly asked me that question last half hour. What has happened in America to American lives that is better than what it was? a year and a half ago, before Joe Biden took office. Outside of COVID, which again, COVID was going to run its course, and herd immunity was going to get here one way or another, that has nothing to do with him. The quote-unquote vaccines, if you want to call them that, which I do not, but if you are a believer in them, and if you do believe that they have helped you know, get everything back uh, to, to some semblance of normalcy, if you believe that, you've got to turn and give that credit to, to Trump. Trump for the operation warp speed that that fast track those things out there again i don't do that i don't believe in that but if you do then you give it to trump not to biden what would they have to say what has what has become appreciably better over the course of the last year and a half than it was before and the answer is nothing zero things and that's just an extraordinary indictment on an administ of an administration uh, that has just been completely ineffective and is more embarrassing by the day. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. I have not mentioned Sound Off in like three days. Don't forget to Sound Off at WHK Radio. Or excuse me, Sound Off at Always Right. Us, and we'll take your messages and we will put them uh, up and on the radio. As a matter of fact, before we get to the break here, I want to get this. Uh, sorry about that. Hold on one
2: second here. We got a
3: little bit of a uh, glitchiness to fix. Here we go.
2: Yeah, Bob, do you think because COVID um, won't stick now for uh, mail-in voting, now they're going to use the high gas prices as a reason um, to have mail-in voting because underprivileged privileged or people with less income, can't get to the polls because of the price of gas, so they're going to push for mail-in voting? Just wondering.
3: Well, I'll tell you what, Tom, in Columbia Station, this is what I love about having an intelligent audience. I hadn't even considered it, but I will now, and I agree with you. Can I imagine a scenario where gas is 6 $7 a gallon, by November or maybe really just by August, September, when they would have to make the decision, that they would say it's racist to hold a regular midterm election because poor people cannot afford to drive to their place of polling. They cannot afford it. And as we know, the predominant number of poor people in this country are minorities, particularly blacks. So it's like a poll tax, these high gas prices. That's what they would say. It's a poll tax to make them put money they don't have into their cars to drive at $7 a gallon to cast their votes. It's just another attempt to disenfranchise black voters, just like Photo ID is an attempt to disenfranchise black voters. This is what they would say. Can I see them saying, because of the extraordinary cost of getting to the polls, we're going to mail out ballots to everybody who wants one? And even if they don't request them, universal mail-in? Yes, Tom, I do. I didn't think of it before, but I concur. There is nothing I would not put past these people. Quick time out, right back. Always right radio, AM 1420 answer. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. We got you for about another, we'll call it 18 minutes or so, uh, before Bill O'Reilly takes us to the top of the hour. It was really good talking to Bill O'Reilly earlier. If you missed that interview, it will be up in uh, probably about a half an hour at whkradio.com and on my page at alwaysright.us. All right, let's uh, go to the phones here, and we're going to talk to whom. Uh, Art is in um, Independence Art, thanks for joining us. You're on the air. Go right ahead, sir.
2: Hey, Bob. First-time caller. I've been listening to you since day one, mid-January, what, seven and a half or eight and a half years ago?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. January 2015, that's right.
2: So, Bill O'Reilly, who uh, I've heard say in the past, probably when he had his TV show on Fox, about turning anybody with weapons in a store, grocery store, department store, Mm -hmm. make it a federal issue, and, a, uh, an automatic minimum five year sentence. Now he didn't qualify that or clarify that if you happen to not be a felon, which you're not allowed to carry a gun, if you have a permit as, as I have had for the last 16 years, or I think Ohio is about on the verge of passing permitless, permitlessness carry, uh, this month, the 17th or 18th of uh, June, if, if DeWine signs the, uh, the uh the law
3: right correct go on
2: well that would that would mean that people who do not have any sort of a felony could carry a gun uh, safely and responsibly into a store for obvious reasons nowadays i listen to your buddy down the line sebastian Gorka, at three o'clock and he says regularly if you have a permit it's almost your obligation to carry your weapon because you just never know, and this this is obviously the truth, if something's going to happen somewhere uh, where you can either save yourself or somebody else, just like that woman in West Virginia just That's right. several days ago. Stopped a mass shooting at a graduation and, party. Graduation party, and she had a, a permit to carry a, a handgun, and he took. she took this guy out. Yeah, so, no.
3: You're exactly right. She did that, and this happens more than people realize. I would disagree with Gorka on saying it's almost an obligation. I just think it needs to be an option. Everyone needs to have that option because some people, no matter how law-abiding they might be, no matter how constitutional they might be, how Second Amendment supportive they may be, they're just not comfortable. They don't trust themselves. They don't trust their ability to make good judgment if they have a loaded weapon in their hand, even if it's in a state of chaos and crisis, because that's when a lot of people, who might ordinarily be reasonable people, but they lose their sense of, freedom, uh, of uh, reason rather, uh, in a time of panic. And they don't want to be holding a gun in a time of panic. So for some people that can't handle it, that's fine. There should be no obligation. But their doggone well better be an opportunity for people to make that decision, like you said, uh, because no one ever knows when it's going to nobody ever thinks it's going to happen to them in a location that they might be. Uh, and for those who are concerned about that, they absolutely have to have that right.
2: You never know if you're driving through an intersection if somebody's going to T-bone you until it happens.
3: That's right. You don't. You just don't That's why you wear your seatbelt uh, just you know just in case. What if something happens? I might be a good driver, but the other guy might be a butthead, and he might be a terrible driver. He might be impaired, he might do this, and it might kill me, and guess what? Uh, I might be a responsible, law-abiding person, too, and somebody else might not be. And if they try to harm me or my family or other people, I have the right to be able to defend myself and all of us. And that's exactly what the 2A is all about. Thank you, Art. I appreciate the call. God bless. Got to get to our news. It's uh, 1131 on AM 1420 The Answer.
0: Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France. The answer.
2: We're rained out the other day, and they played the least number of games in the major leagues at home, at least, because of the rain. I was wondering if maybe
3: Chief Wahoo was doing some revenge rain dances since they got him fired. Brad and Parma commenting on the Guardians baseball team. I guess that's what they're called. I wouldn't know because I don't watch them anymore, or nor do I watch any Major League Baseball getting rained out a lot. Yeah, not sure, but way to advance the stereotype that got the Indians name taken away in the first place. You, you advance the stereotype, Brad, of Chief Wahoo doing a rain dance and doing the uh, all the things that we say Indians do. You know, that's what got us in trouble in the first place. I'm kidding, of course, but that's probably how some would receive your message. I uh, appreciate that. More sound off.
8: Hi, Bob. Uh, I was listening to your your segment with uh, Peter Kirsenow about the independent schools, and it reminded me of something happened just a few days ago. I have a granddaughter at Independence Primary School, first grade, and she said uh, the other day she said something about Martin Luther King. And I said, oh, goodness, here we go. So I said, well, who, who was, do you know who he was? And she said, yeah, he was, he wanted everybody to be equal. Well, I couldn't really, very well argue with that. Um, but I wanted to probe a little. I said, do you know who George Washington was? I'm expecting her to say he is a slave owner. No, nope, she said, he's the first president of the United States. I said, how about Abraham Lincoln? She said, well, he was the second president. I said, well, not exactly right, but she said, I said, what do you know about him? She said, he's the one that was shot. So I was telling, I uh, told her about a visit we made to Ford's Theater and things like that. The point is, I was happy, I was expecting much worse from my little first grader. I'm a little bit surprised she even knows that stuff, but that's not all that bad. But I can, I intend to continue pumping her uh because... It might be getting worse. But as of right now, independence looks pretty darn good. It certainly Thanks. does. Bye.
3: Dan Dan and in independence. Thank you for that message on, uh, on our, um, uh, sound off page at, uh, or sound off link rather at, uh, always out told us that yesterday he was the commencement speaker at the independence graduation and there the commencement exercises and, um, He said they were phenomenal, phenomenally welcoming of him as a grad, but but, uh, said they spoke highly of his appearances on my show, and uh, I'm so glad to hear that. That not every public school story that we get from Northeast Ohio is a story of wokeness, of advancing hatred and division and so on and so forth, the way we hear all the time. And I can understand why he was thinking uh, that he might hear a story when she said we learned about Martin Luther King today that it was going to be some sort of a you know, racially divisive lesson that she was taught, but not so much. So congratulations and thank you to Independence. I'm glad to get those stories once in a while. Uh, Jerry is in Brexville next. Hi, Jerry. Go ahead, sir.
2: Bob, I have two things. The first thing is I saw a a Fox fellow interviewing a Haitian immigrant yesterday on TV or something, and he commented, the immigrant Haitian commented what a fine man Biden was, and he told us he would take care of us. So my other question is, can Biden, by the time November comes around, can he make all these immigrants legal enough to vote?
3: Uh, well, the first thank you for the call, my friend. God bless. Thank you, Jerry. Um, to the first question, that is exactly right. What that Haitian immigrant said. Uh, a lot of them. I've seen interviews with a number of people, not just Haitians, but but of the many different nationalities that are gathering down there, you know, south of our border, and are coming up. And they have all said the same thing or at least in the interviews I'm talking about, that Biden promised. Biden promised. They're carrying signs and wearing T-shirts that they've had made up and saying, let us in. Biden said so. So the, he did promise, and that is why any attempt by Biden or Alejandro Mayorkas or anybody else to say we're doing everything we can to protect the border, that it's not open, that it's really closed, that it needs, to be, needs to be exposed. It's a complete and utter lie. He did make those promises, which is why uh, there is such a massive stream to, to, our, to our southern border. As to the second part of your question, no. No, they cannot do that. That is not something that would even, even happen by 2024. There is a goal that the left has. There's no question about that. Two, uh, try to give voting rights and citizenship, what they call a path to citizenship, for the millions and millions of illegal aliens in this country, because they believe it will then lead those illegal aliens to vote for them. That is not something that can be done by November. It is not something that will be done uh, even by 2024. It is something that we do need to be alarmed and concerned about, but it's a long-game plan that they have. This is not something that they're going to be doing uh, anytime soon. But that is their goal. There's no question about it. We can thwart some of that and slow some of that by winning the elections in November. And, of course, we have to make sure that there are free and fair elections before we can count on that. Hey, I want to close here. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the closing music from our producer John because at five dollars a gallon, every place on my gas buddy app that I see now says five oh nine. It's time once again for. Yeah, twenty and five.
8: There you go. That's it. Yes, sir. Uh, make it forty. I pulled in to buy some gasoline. Highest prices I had ever seen.
0: It's cheaper just to rent a limousine. Don't make enough to pay for my
8: gasoline. Gassing up is taking every dime. Never thought I'd ever see a time when fuel's considered cheap.